So how many of you like to read novels or you pick up a short story and are you the type that wants to cheat and go to the end and read the end before the beginning? Have you ever done that? You do that at school, I think, for tests. You want to do cliff notes. You want to get the, the aim of each chapter. But, you know, in life, when you're kind of going through, you're kind of living the story like you are the story. You are the journey. You are the character in the story. Often it feels very comforting to know that, oh, it, it's going to turn out okay. Like my story, my journey has a great ending. And in fact, the Bible says that that end really is the beginning of the best that I'll ever experience in life and life eternal. Well, this morning as we look into 1 Corinthians 15, we're wrapping up our series on the United Church, the Church United, the study that we've been in in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're reminded of some things that really are about the future to give us great hope in the present. Now, I don't know about you, but usually our focus is on the here and now on the, are people liking me? Are people accepting me? Do I feel good about my relationships? You know, is work just so? And do I have the hope of that raise next week? And it's all kind of right here and right now. And we kind of keep living our life for the next thing, the next moment, the next feeling, the next acceptance, the next party, the next football game, the next whatever it is. And those things can be good, but they're surely not the thing that should drive us or give us that centered stability in this world or in this life. And so Paul does this in this letter all throughout 1 Corinthians. He ties this thread about being united and close to Christ and then united with his people. And he starts in the beginning of the book and he says, Christ will sustain you to the end in chapter 1. And then he shows how Christ sustains you as you deal with difficulty with yourself or other people in the body of Christ or the challenges of this world. How he will sustain you to the end. Not just I'll sustain you today, we need more than that, don't we? We need to know that our tomorrows will be sustained in the Lord and that we have a great future in Him. Because in this world, we don't have any hope. But in Christ, we have all the hope that the human heart needs. And so he reminds us again now at the end of the book in chapter 15 that the sustaining strength and victory is in the Lord. So it's okay to kind of say this morning, we're looking at the end of the story, that we know the end and it ends in victory but that that's not really the end, that that's the beginning for a believer, that we're living with Christ now, but so much is planned for our future. It's really amazing. Now, last week, as Chris was teaching, he talked about this hope that is in Christ because he's risen from the dead. If Christ didn't rise up from the dead, then our faith would be in vain, but he did, and he was seen by all these witnesses and over 500 at one time and the disciples and many others. And so we can have great confidence that the one that raised Jesus from the dead lives in our life through the Holy Spirit, and he continues to raise us. And there's going to be a day where we're going to be with the Savior that was raised, and we'll get to enjoy all that God has planned for the future. But we were reminded by, by the teaching last week and by Paul that that's the main thing that we have to keep in focus is that Christ raised from the dead like he said, that he reigns from heaven this very moment, that he sustains this universe Literally, this universe is, is sustained, the planetary system, our own world, what goes on in this planet and your life and what goes on in countries and governments. That God is sustaining this and he has a will and a purpose and a timetable and he said he's going to come back. Christ said he's going to come back and he's going to make everything right once again. He's going to set all things to rights. So what an incredible thing to keep as the main focus in our life, that what we see here and now is not the end and it's not the end all. 
but we surely are in this journey. We're locked up in this story that God has put us in, this grand story of his big work in the world, and that you have this little important part in that grand story. And I have an important part. And together, even as a church, we have an important part. And God is reminding us this morning to keep the main thing the main thing, that victory in Christ was won at the cross, and one day we'll get to celebrate that with him face to face. So we're going to talk about the resurrection again. And now specifically, you remember Chris talked about Jesus being resurrected, his glorious new body, and the fact that there was victory on the cross. And specifically now he says, like, your bodies are going to be different. Aren't you glad about that? Like, your bodies, like what you're experiencing, there's a reality in the story. Like, this isn't a novel someone wrote. This is the facts. It's a great story, but it's a factual story and you're living it right now, but your future is amazing in Christ. And he says three things, mainly, in this passage, and um, we'll talk about each of those and then the difference they should make. The first is our resurrection bodies will be powerful and glorious. Secondly, our resurrection bodies are a kingdom inheritance. And thirdly, that these resurrection bodies are given instantly at the last trumpet and final victory. So starting in verse 35, 1 Corinthians 15 35. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but then we'll just kind of sum it up. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What, with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star, stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So he starts by talking about, yeah, you know, as you look out at creation, I mean, we should just be like blown away that we get to observe all that God has created. The crown of his creation, you and I. But just taken up with the fact that everything is according to its seed, to its own. You know, the body of a fish is different than the body of, a, of an animal, different than your body and my body. But the truth is that one day, Jesus said he's going to come back. And when he returns, we'll be raised up and we'll be given a glorious resurrection body. He says, yeah, what was sown kind of from the earth now, you and I are taken from the earth. A living spirit comes into us when we trust Christ as Savior. Okay, but our elements are of the earth. It's natural, it's earthly, and it's perishing. No one has to tell you that your body's breaking down, right? Most coaches out there, you know, these guys that, that go after these, you know, stud athletes, all that, are looking to get them when they're 18, 19, 20 years of age, because by about 20, 23, 25, they're starting to lose a half a step or a step. They may have awesome skills, and they might be able to last until their 30s because of their skills, their sense of the game, you know, their wisdom about the game, and so on. But really, the prime, if you are on this side you know, of 25, your prime is yet to be. If you're on the other side of 25, guess what? <laughs> 
You're in a slide. We're all in a slide. We can still function. The tent is flapping. The tent is weak. The stakes are getting loose. Okay, but the tent still works. But he wants to say, it's kind of an obvious observation is that these bodies are wearing out. They were given to us for a time to house our spirit and, the, and then the Holy Spirit of God, that God would come in to you and live. But he says, but that's not the end. You know, where you're headed, instead of being bummed out about that, just realize it's getting you closer to the day where not only where it will turn around and your bodies become strong again, they're becoming glorious new bodies like Christ's glorious new body. So if you're experiencing the perishable, weak, and dishonorable part of being human and living in the tent that you have and having to go to the doctors and pay your $30 copay, and having to wait for results from things, and having knees that lock up, or joints that hurt, or muscles that aren't quite as strong as they used to be. Take heart and have courage, because the best day for your body is coming. And it's not just a P90X, okay? There's something coming that is glorious. It's not perishing. It's not weak. It's not dishonorable. It's not natural. It's not from the earth. It's imperishable. It's glorious. It's powerful. In fact, Paul told us this also in Philippians 3 because he reminds us that we're really not home yet. Citizenship on this earth because we're here living, but there's a greater citizenship coming in heaven. So Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. You're a citizen of heaven if you know Christ is your Savior. What an incredible promise. You don't know how many days of life God's going to grant you. Again, you don't know how flappy the tent's going to get or how much of a hurry, but you know that you're a citizen of heaven, and one day you get to trade that in for a glorious body that was like Christ's glorious body. Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine not dealing with pain or medications any longer? being injured, feeling weak. No, no, I, I got to get back in shape. <laughs> Do you ever feel that? Ah, I got to drop a few pounds. Ah, swimming season, you know, beach season. You're like, okay, well, it's winter now. Sweet. <laughs> I got time. But you just feel like, oh, it's always work. It's always a struggle, even on your best days. You know, you're, you're always looking at your flaws. You're always looking at, oh, it's just, oh, they're so much prettier. They're so much more ripped than I am. Oh, one day. And Hey, you have a glorious body like Christ's glorious body coming in your future. And again, I'm reminding you of facts right now. A lot of people think this is like, oh, that's a nice thought. That's, that's, that's kind of cool that you think that or that you play with these kind of ideas. This is just facts from God given to us in the Word about the reality of where we're headed in Christ. What was Christ's glorious new body like when he raised up from the dead? What was it like? Do you remember on the Emmaus Road? He walked with a couple guys. So he's not floating like a little spirit, like, woo. He walked with two guys after the resurrection on the road. He physically walked. He had some kind of physical presence because they weren't like, oh, a ghost. It was a dude walking on the road with them. Enough different until he started revealing his knowledge about the events of Christ, because he was Christ. And what happened? They, their eyes weren't open. They couldn't see, but he walked. He had a physical body. What was he doing on the beach when his disciples were out in the boat after his resurrection with a glorious new body? What's he doing on the beach and he's calling them in? Do you remember what he was doing on the beach? He wasn't drawing hearts with arrows. 
He was making breakfast for them. He was doing physical, normal things with a glorious, awesome body that was prepared for now eternity. He had come, taken on flesh, now raised from the dead, a glorious body, built for eternity. He's making breakfast. He calls him in to eat with him. He has a physical but glorious new body. You're going to walk. You're going to eat. What else was Jesus able to do in his glorious body, his resurrection body? This is a fun one for me. He just kind of appears in the middle of a room with locked doors. Like that one. How about you? The Fantastic Four? Okay, nothing. Nothing like what Jesus is able to do. He just appears in his midst. They're freaked out. All the doors are locked. They know, wait a minute. And he goes, peace be with you. <laughs> in my vernacular, that would be, relax. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, but like how in glorious new body? Beyond the physical, beyond the perishable, beyond the earthly, he was able to go through the physical. That was not an issue. When you get your glorious new body, and again, if you're a Christian, it's not an if, it's a when. And when you get it, you'll be able to walk. You'll be able to talk. You'll be recognizable. Remember when they came to Jesus and Thomas couldn't quite believe it? No, I don't know. I'm not going to believe it until what? Until I see the marks in his hands and in his side. Jesus said, here you go. There was physical representation of what happened to him on the earth, but now perfected. Glorious, powerful, no limitations. He was able to move around the planet. When the new heaven and the new earth comes and you're given a glorious new body, a resurrected body, it's beyond what you've ever imagined. Why do we get taken up with all these, these movies, you know, these, these powerful characters, these superheroes? Because there's something in the human heart that's like, oh, wouldn't that be awesome? And I think we know this isn't it. What's in store for us is it, but could it really be? Is it really going to be as fantastic? You have no clue. I have no clue how awesome it's going to be. We're just given these little glimpses, like through a, like a keyhole to see this new heaven and new earth and what our bodies are going to be like. But take heart. It's awesome what your bodies will be able to do. We're told that there's going to be feasting in heaven. The first thing we're going to do is go to a great banquet. You're going to have a tongue that tastes things that you've never tasted before and drink. It's just that your bodies won't wear down and they won't suffer disease or heartache or sin in any way. Keep that in view, you guys. That is coming. That is real. And Jesus, we shouldn't be so surprised when it happens. It's like, oh, now we should be taken up because our imaginations are only this deep, but we shouldn't be like, oh, I'm so surprised. Like, this is just what you told us it would be like. There'll be animals in heaven. The creatures surrounding the throne, the angels in anthems singing out the glory and holiness of God. The singing that you're going to experience. You don't have a good voice now? Don't worry. You'll either get a good voice or you'll be buried in millions of angels singing louder. It's going to be unreal. And you'll get to explore the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that will descend out of heaven. Unbelievable. Our resurrection bodies will be powerful and glorious. Secondly, they're a kingdom inheritance. It comes to those that know Christ. Thus it is written, this is verse 45, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. 
But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second is from heaven. Now he's talking about Adam, the real Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, Jesus being the second Adam that came from heaven. Okay? As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the things of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable inherit the imperishable. The good news for you and me, though, is we're getting rid of the perishable, right? That'll be history. Aren't you glad? Good riddance. And we get this glorious imperishable body where we get to inherit all that God has planned for us. That first Adam, dirt, right, from dust. God added life to the dirt. In Christ, he added flesh or dirt to Jesus. Jesus came down from heaven in all the glories of heaven. God himself took on dirt, took on flesh so we could relate and understand and see how to live. And he died in that physical body. But that physical body was raised up by the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection power of the Spirit that lives in Christ and is Christ lives in you. Pretty amazing, right? We inherit all this. And you need a glorious new body to inherit this new heaven and new earth. Because in a physical sense, you can't inherit it. A physical person can't inherit it. Flesh and blood can't inherit the perfect new heaven and new earth and the new Jerusalem. We're going back to the garden, you guys, but with no sin, no shame, no guilt. This world will be purged and purified by fire, we're told, but in the new heaven and the new earth, and you and me, because we placed our faith in Christ, are going to get to enjoy God and each other like you can't even fathom. It's all part of our inheritance. The Son has promised it. You remember when Jesus said, don't be troubled? This is John 14. He says, don't be troubled. Man, that's one thing that describes most of us almost all the time. <laughs> don't be so troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And we know it's in the new heaven and the new earth. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, but I'm coming back. And I'm coming back the way I left on the clouds, but in great glory this time. I'm not coming as a servant sacrificially, and I'm coming as the conquering king. When I come back, I'm going to take you to the place that I've prepared for you. Now, that's the church generally, and that's you specifically that he's prepared a place for you. What an incredible promise. All that we know now will be renewed and changed and made perfect. And you know how Adam and Eve were able to walk with God in the cool of the evening, just to have kind of a normal, personal, face-to-face -face relationship with God until sin entered the picture and they rebelled? We're going back there, you guys. And it's going to be beyond even that. But that's where God's headed with his plan, his story. And you get to be a part of it in Christ. And then thirdly, it gets wrapped up and changed and final victory all happens in an instant. Our resurrection bodies are given instantly at the last trumpet and final victory. Behold, this is verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must be put... Wait, do that again. Verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we love to cheer our own victories. We love to cheer victories of those teams that we love to watch. But when the final victory comes and all of human history is wrapped up with the one who created it, the one that you placed your faith in, he said in an instant in the twinkling of an eye, like a nanosecond, like we can't even measure it. It's happening that fast when Christ returns that your body is changed. Death loses, Christ wins as we've been told, as we will experience. And at that moment, this is pretty cool. It's kind of like when you get ready for a a surprise party and you're given the favors and the hats and the streamers and you're waiting for the person to walk in and you want to yell surprise. You're given all the stuff to celebrate. You know what you get to to celebrate with when Christ returns in an instant? A glorious, this body we're talking about, a glorious resurrection body. You're going to have one. You're going to get to really experience and celebrate with Christ because your body will be just like his glorious new body, his glorious resurrected body. Pretty amazing. In the end, justice will be served. Everything will be put to right. It'll be perfect as God had always intended it to be. There'll be two groups of people, those raised to life and given resurrected bodies and those raised to judgment. John 5 tells us that. So you see all these threads in Scripture reinforcing all these truths. John 5, 28, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. All will be resurrected. Some will be taken to judgment. Those of us that know Christ will be given glorious new resurrection bodies and taken in to the new heaven and the new earth to enjoy God forever. Pretty awesome. So what are these truths again? Let's review. Our resurrection bodies will be powerful and glorious Our resurrection bodies are a kingdom inheritance because we're co-heirs with Christ. Our resurrection bodies are given instantly at the last trumpet in the final victory and we're not going to miss it. And it's something to look forward to. That's all great. Unless we're locked up in the tyranny of the urgent and we're completely earthbound in our mind and in our heart and in our spirit. But God doesn't want you to live that way, and he doesn't want me to live that way. That's why we're given these factual stories of truth that can give us stability in this life that's really kind of crazy, that can give us security when the world can't give that to you. A lot of people think like, oh, no, more money means more security. Now, what about when the stock market crashes and when other things plummet in this world that we can't control and government, one government takes over another or one nation takes over another. Your security is in Christ or it's nowhere. How do we then live? This is how he wraps it up in verse 58. This is how we live. In light of those truths, because they're glorious, factual truths. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So in light of those truths, we're supposed to be steadfast and immovable. That means firm. You're not budging. <laughs> now, sometimes you can relate to that when you're in an argument, right? And you're on one side and someone's on the other side and you're not budging. This is a good one to not budge on. These are the facts. This is what God told me. I'm his child. He's given these truths to me so I know what my future is going to be for sure. Now, in light of that, I can be firm and immovable. I don't have to be pushed around by the world or by some expectation of another person. I'm not susceptible to someone tearing me down with their words or accusing me or gossiping about me. I'm not susceptible to that because I know who I am in Christ and I know where I'm headed. I know the promises of God and I'm getting to know him more. And this is what he says, that I can be steadfast and immovable. When the world is always moving and changing the game and changing the rules and you're trying to figure out how you stack up, trying to figure out if you're actually going to be last in that job or have a future, you just say, you know, God's my future. He holds my future. He is the future. There's really nothing else I can count on, but I can count on Christ and he's enough. So he says, in light of that, don't budge. Be firm in your faith. Make up your mind. Decide ahead of time. This is who I am in Christ. This is where I'm headed. I'm headed. And in the meantime, until Christ returns, now you may die and go into the grave and you'll be resurrected as that passage talked about. Or if you're alive when Christ returns, awesome. The dead in Christ will rise first and join Christ and then those who are alive will gather up around him. But you know what's coming and you know all these promises. In the meantime, until his return, abound in kingdom work. Abound means to exceed, to overflow, to be living beyond measure for Christ. And I want to boil that down because I think that can feel like, oh, well, I don't love God more. Just learn to love him more. Get to know him. Get to know his love. That changes your love for him. Truly build a personal relationship with God every day. Cry out to God. Read his word. Talk to other Christians about how they're getting to know God and what he's like. Just love God. That's the greatest commandment. And then abound in loving others. As you understand God and his love for you, and you start loving him, you know what happens in that love relationship? He loves you. You love him. It's like, you know, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, and you go back and forth. I love God. Yes, I do. I love God. How about you? And God goes, I love you. Yes, I do. I love you. How about you? And you just keep loving on each other. And that's real and can happen in this world. It's not just a factual, intellectual thing. Well, I have the doctrines, right? And I study this book. It's just like love needs to take over in your life. And it's guided by those truthful doctrines, even like we're studying today. But love abounds more and more between you and God. That just spills over to other people. If you're not loving God or feeling loved by God, not much spills over. When you are, though, guess what? Everyone gets sprinkled with the love, the grace, the mercy, the compassion, the patience, the long-suffering of God. That kind of love gets expressed through you. Be abounding in that kind of love. Live for Christ in all arenas of your life because you know you're not home yet. The new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem are coming. Your glorious new body is coming. And you don't know how much time you have before that day comes. But boy, you're not living in fear of it. You're looking forward to it. You're so looking forward to it that you understand it was all given to you and promised to you in love. You're so taken up with all that love and all the promises, your incredible future in Christ, that it starts affecting your today in Christ. Your today in Christ spills over on other people. The love of God becomes real. They got to know what's up with you. 
That's when it gets really fun. Well, God has just changed my life. I'm just understanding God better. I'm understanding the love of God. In fact, I'm, I, I've been thinking a lot about, about the future, and I don't have to live in fear anymore. You know, the world just doesn't, it's so chaotic, and there's no peace. And I have peace in Christ. I have peace, and I know where I'm headed. Well, how do you know all that? Yeah, like, you know? Well, yeah, because what the Bible tells me and what I'm experiencing in my walk with God. And you, can sh- you have something to share now. What a great hope, right? I'm going to end. Oh, lastly, I forgot to say this, though, is you're going to be rewarded for all that. Now, you'd say, like, well, that's like icing on a cake. Yeah, for all of eternity, you get rewarded for that. It's not in vain. You give a cup of cold water to someone in Jesus' name. So, like, as simple as you can think of doing something to love someone. He says, I don't lose track of that. Jesus promises he'll be rewarding us for that. For all of eternity, we don't understand how that exactly works. We just know it's true. And he said, trust me in this one. It's going to be rewarded. Your life will be rewarded. Your faith will be rewarded. When it's hard to do the right thing and forgive and be loving, because they're attacking you, do the right thing in faith. It will be rewarded. All the time in life, do it in faith. It will be rewarded. That's what it means to be abounding in the kingdom work. It's going to all be rewarded. How do we then live? We choose to be steadfast and immovable, abound and overflow in the work of the kingdom, loving God and loving others, knowing that it's never, ever, ever in vain. And every moment of faith is going to be rewarded by Christ. A couple of reflection questions. So let's really take this to a practical level. What emotions are stirring in you, knowing the promise of your resurrection body and the joys of the new heaven and the new earth yet to come? It's important to understand those. We have so many other emotions in life that drag us down. How about some emotions that will stir us and excite us and start building us, right? What are those? Talk to some people. Talk to your spouse. Talk to family members. Talk to people in your life group this week about that, how you're feeling about that. What's it doing in you? And then secondly, how do these truths encourage you to abound in the work of the Lord with each day of life you're given? Good stuff to pray about. And I'm going to close with a passage, and I want to ask you just to go ahead and close your eyes. This is from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4. Kind of our benediction. Well, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that those who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then all we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What a great hope. What a great promise. What a great future. Saints, your future is bright.